Hello and welcome to episode 12 of Bike Karma. Thank you for coming along for the ride today. My name is Tom Brown and I'm your host. Bike Karma is a podcast that looks at all the common threads between different types of cyclists and people who are interested in bicycles, antique to modern. If you are interested in bicycles, this is a no-drop show, which means like a no-drop ride. We aren't going to leave anybody behind. The first segment is with Karen Franson of the CCAP organization. And we talk about specifically the National Cyclocross Championships, which are going to be held in our area. We talk about racing in general, both from the perspective of a participant and as a spectator. So I'm going to be asking a lot of questions that are filling in the gaps in my knowledge. We're also going to check out two popular apps, uh, one of which is you've probably heard of if you're a biker is Strava. And we're going to do a head-to-head review with Pokemon Go. Our last segment comes from Florida and it's from the two-wheel pickers bike shop. Enid Mercado Vega tells us about her and her husband's great program called Mind Over Bike. All this and a little bit more this time on Bike Karma. Where I live, you can easily turn on some media and see a game of football or baseball or basketball or hockey or even soccer, part of the culture. And around the world, there's all kinds of different sports, but for the most part, you have a easy access into it. For biking, apart from the Tour de France, you don't really have a lot of exposure to the sport. And in a way, that's bad because you might be intimidated of getting out there and getting to know a little bit more about it. On the other hand, it's good because you can go to a national championship for like cyclocross and it only costs you $15 for the whole week as opposed to the mortgage payment it would cost to go to another sporting event. Let's take a look today with Karen Franzen at what racing is about and we'll talk about the cyclocross national championships which are going to be in Hartford, Connecticut this year and we're also going to talk about racing in general so if you been curious about racing if you're race curious give that a try and uh, learn about what cats are and what the differences between you know like a road race running a road race and maybe trying a bike race would be like so lots of information hey mr munchnik mr munchnik's up here on the mic too looking from the outside in i'm basically i'm gonna ask some dumb questions today so i'm gonna be holding the door open for anybody who wants to come through and learn more about racing bikes and you know not just the big national giro and and tour de france but what about all the races that you might actually be able to go see without having to buy a plane ticket so that's what we're going to check out today with karen franzen from ccap a great organization we're going to learn all about that so it's going to be a conversation like the weather in New England, as Mark Twain said. If you don't like it, the topic's going to change a little bit every couple of minutes. So uh, so from being a spectator to being a participant in a race to you know having it on your dream list for something you want to do someday and knowing a little bit more about it to actually wanting to come see the Cyclocross National Championships here in Connecticut next week and some of the other cool stuff. We're going to talk about all that right now. So welcome to Bike Karma. I'm here with Karen Franzen. She runs the CCAP program with some other fine people. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Connecticut Cycling Advancement Program. 
was developed in uh, 2013. Aidan Charles was the founder and our executive director is now Dave Hoyle and they are all high-level racers and wanted to reach out to the students through the schools to try to build up a cycling league for the state of Connecticut which um, is now becoming very successful. We've got well over just this last quarter a thousand kids that were exposed to cycling through our programs and through our outreach. So it's been an amazing, amazing trip so far and I'm, I'm enjoying every second of it. It's been great. And I know you from way back in the beginning when you guys yeah. were just you, starting. Weathersfield so. was one of the first schools to sign up with us. Yes, yes. we were. Yes. All right, so when you talk about that, you talk about junior racers mm -hmm. as the, what they're called. We got a lot of people who would be listening and they'd saying like, how do I become a fan of the sport? You know, where you can see the Tour de France on TV. Right. And that's kind of like, you know, the only exposure you get yep. is the World Cup. Yep. And there's a lot going on beneath that, mm -hmm. around that, to the side of that. So in the grand scheme of things, w when we have something like this huge event, which is very exciting, the uh, national championships for cyclocross, where does that fit into the grand scheme of things? Well, cyclocross, let me just back up so you understand what cyclocross is. Personally, I think it's one of the most exciting disciplines to watch because you get to see so much of the race. And it was developed roughly late 1800s, I believe, in Europe and Belgium where the road racers, uh, the people who are racing in Tour de France and so forth, they were looking for something to do during the off season, so they took their old racing bikes and they just hopped on and they rode through whatever, a field, a stream, over a bridge, you know, climbing fences, you know, you, you know, should Google it sometimes, some of the old videos. So people yeah. who are picturing this in their minds, you're picturing the drop bar bikes. So right. people on some yes. drop bar bikes, they're a little different. They've got maybe a little bit more uh, wider tires than they would normally now have. Now they do. Back then when Back they started, they just they used their road yeah, bike Whatever they had, they used. So it is now since, uh, fast forward to the present, where New England is kind of the hub of the most competitive cyclocross. We have cyclocross-specific bikes, which cyclocross is kind of a combination road and off-road racing. So they have a knobbier tire, a little bit wider tire. They'll still have the drop handlebars like you were saying. Um, they're going to have a different type of brakes because they go through every kind of weather and terrain and everything like that. So you're going through mud and muck and everything else like that. So you'll they'll have a lot of that going on. Mostly cantilever and disc. Right, right. Those are the two, yeah, because you don't want the mud to cake up. And many of the racers will bring more than one bike, so their bikes will get so dirty during this race. They'll <laughs> come into the pit. They'll have, just like in NASCAR, they'll have their pit crew there who will grab that bike from them, give them another bike. They hop on, keep on going. While they're going around, their pit crew is cleaning off the bike they just dropped off so they can grab another bike. It's, it's so much going on. It's so exciting. And they run upstairs. They hop over barriers. They're going through sand. They're on off camber. So how big is this course that they're on? When we're trying to make a bridge between, like, say, the Tour de France goes mm -hmm. around a whole country. Right. The pan this tour, the pan that tour goes across an entire state or across a country mm -hmm. or something like that. How big an area are we talking about for the usually cyclocross? Usually the cyclocross um, courses are usually like a mile and a half-ish or so in that range. Okay. So they're very relatively short. It's very intense racing. Um, this The cyclocross nationals are going to take 
place at Riverside Park by Riverfront uh, right off of 91. You'll be able to park on the other side, go over the pedestrian bridge and, and access it that way. And anywhere you come into Riverside Park, you're going to be able to see part of the race because it goes all over the whole area, around the boathouse, around and back by the soccer fields, everything. How many times do they do laps in a... That's going to depend upon the category. Now, each racer who is competing here at the events this coming, uh, the first week in January, they all have racing licenses of different categories. So the entry level racers um, typically are like a cat four in that range, cat five for men. Then they will, as they gain experience and gain points in many of the disciplines, they have to earn points in order to get to a higher level category. So they will then cat up, it's called. They get their so many points throughout the season and then they can upgrade to the next category. And the higher the cat, or the uh, lower the number, but the higher level rider will do a longer race. Okay, so the building a bridge for people who want to get into the sport, we're saying if you were like, say, uh, a runner, mm -hmm. and then out of nowhere you just wanted to sign up for a race, you could sign up for like a, a road race that would be running and you wouldn't need to join in or get a license or certificate or anything like that. You just show up that day and then you get your results and then that results would be it. If you're a biker and you want to get into racing, you have to become certified. You have to have a license, a, a license. racing license. Okay. It's, it's for safety and it's also to keep a level playing field as it were. Mm -hmm. For safety reasons, the category, the starting out categories will have a fewer racers that they'll allow on the course at the same time. And the higher level racers, they could have, you know, up to 200 people or more on the course at the same time. So they, because they've got the skills, they've been doing it long enough and they've got the fitness. So the thing that people don't like when they're running a road race, not riding, is you go to a little charity fun run Mm -hmm. that's like around Mikey's place or something. Yep. And then somebody who's like almost an Olympian shows up and blows, blows everybody out of yep. the water. Mm -hmm. That can't happen. Right, right. That's awesome. So they, they will be competing against, and it goes to the age group as well. Um, a lot of times you will have people my age, I'm, you know, pushing 60 here, so getting up there, and we don't want to be racing against 20-year-olds. because No one there's, does. Yeah, yeah. No one I does. mean, you know, it's just not fair. So they all actually have age groups as well and masters will be you know they split it usually up between 40 and older and then 50 to 59 and so forth like that so many of the events will have masters races and you'll see that with the uh, national championship too they do have things split up by age group as well so you'll have category and age group you'll have non-championship races which actually a lot of the events the racers are using them as a warm-up and you'll have men and women sometimes at races they'll have an open race where women and men compete against each other but that's not the best way to, to run a champ they won't allow that in the championship so if I started out I would start out in a cat five yes and just get for men it would be cat five for women it's cat four and I kind of test the waters there I start to get better at it mm -hmm. I maybe earn some points by doing a few races and performing well in them and then I move up the ranks where do I start getting my sponsorships well, that's... When do people buy me bikes and put <laughs> me on them? <laughs> well, that, if you would start, let's say, as uh, in one of our school programs, okay? Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll use Ben Wolf as a perfect example, and we've got a couple other riders that the same thing has happened. 
where they have started as a young person, a junior rider, earned their stripes, so to speak, worked their way up, were recognized by some local teams and brought on board with them. From there, it goes to, they start getting some national recognition. They get rec you know, recognized nationally and invited, um, or, you know, just the same thing like with other sports too, where they have a scout come in and, and look in and say, hey, this person's been really consistent. And, and it's a long process. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, many times they will have local shops, will have a shop team, and they will sometimes give discounts and so forth like that. It, a lot of it is economy driven. Mm -hmm. it's, it's something that it doesn't always happen, but what we like to really push more than the sponsorship, especially with the, through the CCAP and, and we're trying to reach younger kids. Number one is a, a lifelong sport that they can do oh, absolutely because I, I like I said I'm, I'm pushing 60 and I'm still you know out mountain biking and having a great time I don't know too many people playing football at 60 yet you know, <laughs> so uh, you know but it also we have scholarships that they can get they can actually earn their way into college it's it's one of those sports where it's not really mainstream yet so they do have that option where they are they compete and, it, and they it's they a skill notice. too you can ride a bike mm -hmm. to work and right. you know change your life yeah different things um, as far as getting your pro license it's a lot of hard work but it, it can be done when so you, is pro like category one yeah well the category one and then the pro riders and then you turn into uh, the UCI which is the um, that's like the highest level so they the, race in you know all over the world so you go cat five cat four cat three cat two cat one then it's pro less, yeah and their pro licenses will give them the uh, there's actually restrictions on what races pro riders can do unless it's on the race flyer or you know where they're going to allow pro riders some local races you know how many levels are there in the pro level well that's pretty much i mean it depends they they will have like world championships and so forth like that they are the only ones who can compete at that level got it so yeah and okay. they compete internationally and they're the ones that you will see then on on uh, like the Tour de France and, and things like that. For, you know, is category five. Is there a crossover between, between the different disciplines? So like if I'm, a, if I'm a, like a, a level five, I'm a cat five, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna use the lingo, I'm a cat five cyclocross guy, mm -hmm. can I go into a cat five road race? They will allow that, but the higher levels, no. You need to um, actually with road oh, racing. because that's starting. Right, yeah. right. So if I was cat one mm -hmm. cyclocross, Maybe or maybe they not. can. They, I believe they can do the cat shoe. I think it's one category down. I would so need you'd to minus check one. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So. Okay. But with the with the upgrading for cat five to and for the women cat four to cat three, it's it's by experience. You don't necessarily have to earn points, but when you go up from there, you have to earn points. So if you do ten races of different like different types of races, different different distances of races, and you actually submit your resume to USAC, um, then you can get your upgrade from a Cat 5 to a Cat 4, and then you have to start earning points. It's all You can find it all on um, usacycling.org. 
so it seems like a lot of extra work on one hand mm -hmm. that might be a little intimidating to somebody looking at it from mm -hmm. the outside, but the, the sweet side of this, which you know totally is wonderful, is that that one person who's like a super duper person who enters at the last minute just to show off as they normally do is not gonna be in your category. Right, right. You, you don't have to worry about them right. coming and stealing your thunder. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> That's, yeah. uh, that's one up on road racing for, for runners. Right, and um, like I said, the cycling, it, it just lasts a little bit. It's a little bit easier on your body, um, yeah. but still just a, an intense workout, too. And, and there's so, looking much, for that, yeah. so much crossover as you can do. Mm -hmm. And yeah. there's a lot of different disciplines. It's not just cyclocross. There's, you know, a lot of different cycling You gave me my first time on a fat bike. Yeah. And now I have one myself. Yeah. That's yeah. fat bikes are fun. And they are really fun. They, they actually have a fat bike national championship too. I saw somebody put yeah. drop bars onto a fat bike yeah. and was doing a very low category, unprofessional cyclocross race. Do you ever think that the wider tires, or is there a restriction on tire size? You can only they go won't, so wide. Yeah, they won't do that at the national championship for cross, but they do have fat bike national championships, and I believe they are in Wisconsin this year, I think. Um, don't quote me on that. <laughs> would have to look on usacycling.org and find out where that championship is. But that, you know, just the way that the, the weight of those bikes and so forth like that for cyclocross, they would not be ideal. Okay. Um, because you know you you have to push the bike, you have to run it with it up and down the hills, and you gotta lift it up over barriers. And fat bikes are they're pretty heavy. Even the light ones are pretty heavy. Now Hartford, Connecticut, mm -hmm. has a strong history in cycling, yeah, like from cold, many different yeah. angles, mm -hmm. like from the fabrication of bikes, making bikes, producing bikes, the Columbia uh, and the Pope. You know, just, I mean, yep, get, we yep. have we have a huge history of making making bicycles parts in sister city of Springfield and, and Westfield and all that other stuff. This was a this is a hub. Uh -huh. <laughs> but <-bump>. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we also have a history which people know less of about racing in the area. There used to be a pretty major race in Hartford. Yep. Was it is what did it, what type of race was that? That, that was, was a, a road criterion. race. A criterion. Yes. Yep. And Tell me about that. What is a criterion? Those are usually under the court. They're very very short track, and you will see the racers go numerous times. Um, the higher level will do you know close to an hour or more. Out so there. like NASCAR and like, for bikes. Yeah, but, basically but NASCAR and city. yeah yeah, and sometimes through the city. We did have um, the last couple of years we had with. Uh, in conjunction with the Hartford Cycling Festival, sorry, and that was in September. We didn't do it this past year because we had to focus on uh, the national championship, but that was a, a very exciting, very, very exciting race where they were around, um, wasn't just round in circles. They had a lot of tight turns mm -hmm. and... So more like the Indy 500 where it's like yeah, through, uh, it's through just, an area. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so they, they, usually the criteriums are under a mile for the course and they will do numerous races uh, throughout the day all different levels again and the pro riders will like i said usually do an hour and so that's you know close now, to are 60 they using miles. those aerodynamic hats and everything at that no, point no no those usually are for time trials um you want to because i mean they do not have to wear helmets and that's required but they will have 
lighter weight helmets than than many of the other riders your your general rider out there on the road so the time trial them. would be time trial essentially is the same type of course sometimes no usually no? a time trial is going to be a, like a pretty straight out shot and they're going to okay. do a longer distance and, and they're it's only one on at it a by time. themselves yeah yep you against the clock um, okay. but the criteriums are very interesting to watch uh, you will see a lot of team tactics where you will have uh, teammates working together trying to protect their sprinter and so that that sprinter is then placed in the best position and a nice lead out so that they will you know take the win hopefully when they're going against all the other sprinters it's pretty exciting and kind of scary at the end of a cry i used to be a criterion racer and it can be a little scary at the end <laughs> in that fun way so but um, and you won't really see that kind of lead out for cyclocross but you will see sometimes uh, the team working together even even with the cyclocross so it's pretty exciting stuff. So we had said before that Hartford used to be a huge center for all angles of the different bicycle sport and one of the things we used to have that we don't have anymore is the velodromes yes, um, yes. there used to be a few of them all in the region and now unfortunately there's not any we have a um, barely usable ballpark that i think should have been a velodrome yeah well yeah me too yard i agree goats, with you yes, yeah. yes yes yard goats yeah. yeah but we won't go there we won't but, go there but but right across that's where the course is going to be right across from yeah. that and it's very easy to get to it's off of 91 yep so let's say that people are coming in and they're kind of trying out the sporty stuff you get to a cyclocross event where do you go where are you going to stand you know what what's the you, best seat the what's the best seat in the house that is the beauty of cyclocross you don't really even have to sit anywhere you can wander around as long as you don't cross the course and they'll have marshals that will let you know because there's areas that you can go across the course is it expensive to go well not really no it's it's not because you get a wristband you go to the parking area which is over on the other side of 91 and you will park there you get a wristband for fifteen dollars and that's for the whole week Oh, the whole so, week of stuff. Okay. Yeah, and if you volunteer more than five hours during that time, you get that free. You know, that's nice. included. And a really cool hat and a whole bunch of other swag stuff. You had so, me at hat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. But, so uh, we walk, we park over on one side of 91, the west side of 91. We walk over the pedestrian bridge, and we're into this nice little park alongside the mm -hmm. Connecticut River. Yep. And then, so I get there, and what am I looking for? I'm, you are going to see, you don't really have to look too far, because there's going to be vendors all over the place. There's going to be beer tent. There's going to be food. There's ah. going to be J. Renee coffee. There's going to be... It's a party. It's a bit, yeah, it's a big party all day. Like it. And they are going to be racing all over um, in front of the boathouse, around, way over, down the, by the river. They go across out and back, um, almost over by the dike, by the railroad tracks. So you see a lot. Of, you'll be able to see a lot of it from the highway, but we don't, don't park there. No. No. no don't, <laughs> okay. Don't park there. They will, they will frown on that. But there's not, not only the races, but there's a whole bunch of stuff going on in Hartford and East Hartford that whole first week. I feel, I feel like Hartford is like just about to start a boil. 
You know, yes. like when you're staring at a pot and it's just that moment before it mm -hmm. starts to boil. That's what the bike scene's like for me here right. now. Oh yeah. And you know, we've got BC Co. We've got our first bike co-op in the region. We've got a bunch of the complete streets initiatives taking place. We got the bike walk, walk. people yep. are getting together. And then we're making connections mm -hmm. like the racers and the mechanics and the collectors and the swap meet yeah, that we have here in Weathersfield. A, a Hartford-based racing team for kids. We're working on getting that going. And all yeah. that stuff, you know, there's, there's always been this isolation of cyclists where you know you're in your camp you're a bmx kid you stay a bmx kid and that's all you do and now we've got this scene where people are looking out of their out of their camps and saying hey what's that over there mm -hmm. oh i'm i'm a bmx kid but here i am there's a cyclocross national yeah. championships right in my hometown yeah i'm gonna go right over and check and it out bmx kids would love cyclocross absolutely yeah because <laughs> they they would they would kick some you-know-what out there because they got the skills. Yeah. And, and that's what my podcast is about. I mean, it really is about trying to just hold the door open and show, shine the light on the connections between all these different groups mm -hmm. instead of the differences between them. You know, some, right. sometimes, you know, you could have somebody who's a really, really high-level bicycle person but it's in a different discipline and they get into a group and they can't make those connections. we got tons of connections. You've got an art show. Yes. A bicycle yes. art show coming up. I love that. We yeah. do. We do the. Um, it's actually. It's. It's going on. It's going to have a. It's going to be at. Well, it is going on right now at Pitkin Street in East Hartford, 80 Pitkin Street, at the Hartford Fine Art and Framing, and it will actually run all the way through to January 30th. But on January 5th, there's going. To, we'll be hosting a fundraising event. Um, even though it's free admission, but there'll be fundraising things going on there for the CCAP because we're a nonprofit and we're doing some hard work and need some support. So that's a really great way to, uh, and it's all, all, all the art is bicycle related. It's, it's, I love that yeah, because it's, it's a different way to bring people into it. Oh, you know, yeah. Sometimes with my crew here at, at the school, I'll have kids who just want to work on bikes. Yeah. And then I'll try and funnel them into riding more. And then you got some kids who are just racers, mm -hmm. and you try and get them to like, hey, think outside the box, sit back yeah. and chill, yeah. and maybe we'll go for a tour around town to some place you haven't gone. Okay, we'll try that. And that's one of the ways that we do is art stuff. Is we've had BMX bikes that we gave to the art department before mm -hmm. and said, hey, just make this look pretty. Yep. Yep. You know, because I remember at your bike swap too in June, you had a whole bunch of really cool bike. And they made they made uh, yeah. trophies for mm -hmm. the for the bike yep. show out of out of just spare bike parts. Because if you like this stuff, you really do. If you sit back and think about it, there's all kinds of connections out there. There's a world of people who are mm -hmm. doing things that are interesting. Like the other thing was the mechanics competition. Yes, the so, mechanics I mean, championship. I am, yes. I, I, this is the first, this is exciting. Yep. Because that's one of my favorite things to do right now. Besides wow. riding is fixing bikes and to see mechanics competing is just like, that sounds exciting. Then you got, then you definitely have to go. It's, that one's going to be uh, Friday, January 6th, 7 o'clock at uh, Black Bear Saloon on Allen Street in Hartford. And this is a, a way for them to highlight, uh, I don't know if you remember me talking earlier about the, uh, the pit crew. Yep. That a lot of these guys will be in there and they have their own competition here they're following their racers around and being their pit crew but then they they give them all they can bring any bike that they want to build up they got to build it up but they have to use the equipment the tools everybody uses the same set of tools it'll so. take me forever to read a single novel mm -hmm. forever like i'll read three pages a night and then i'll fall asleep i have read though repair manuals <laughs> all the way through 
nonstop. And the old bicycle maintenance books where you have the Tour de France mechanics explaining how they would hang out the side of the window of a car and repair a derailleur <laughs> while going 15, 20 miles an yep. hour. I love stuff like that. Yeah. So this is awesome. Uh, you also have uh, different vendors. We'll have s parties and the Shimano party. Yep, Shimano party. Yep, that's also going to be at the Black Bear Saloon. So that's going to be, uh, I believe there's a cover charge for that. I want to say 10 or 15. I don't remember off the top of my head. But um, it's, a, it's a really good time and a way to really uh, rub elbows with some of the racers and, and you know, different people from the industry because there's going to be a lot of people. Uh, there's a lot of different companies that are going to be there. Uh, SRAM's going to be there as well as Shimano, and we've got uh, Travelers is a huge, huge They're sponsor. They're a big supporter. There, yeah. And Kinetic Air, and it's, uh, yeah, and a lot of lot of really great stuff going on. Cannondale, of course. Sierra Nevada is going to be there on site. That's one of the, uh, so you've got your Jay Renee and coffee in the morning, and your Sarah, and, yeah, there we go. So, right. you know, you've got it all covered. we got you covered, yeah. And BC Co. is going to have BC extra Co. hours during that time, a spot for, they're offering spots for people to come and assemble their bikes. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so they can, uh, they're also a shipping location for people to ship bikes to. Uh, that's the BC Co. down on Park Street. So the whole town is basically going to be doing stuff with bikes for that yep. week. Yeah. Which sounds awesome. So Hartford, Connecticut, the week of? January 3rd through the 8th. Okay. So. And for those of you not around that region, this is kind of like how it goes when you have a big cycling event in your region. Any others that you've gone to outside this region? Well, yeah, back when I was racing, I went to, uh, to I raced at Nationals in Kentucky when they were there a couple of years, and that was, um, we actually got to race the Criterium that I was telling you about. It was actually on the inside of Churchill Downs. So oh, the horses wow. were racing around oh the outside and I'm, I'm a big horse person. So I was like, oh man, I really want to watch horses. Oh, I got to race, hold on. Yeah, it's just like one of those things. But uh, yeah, so the, and cyclocross again is, is different from all of that because there's action going on the whole time all over the course. And it's different kind of action. It's exciting. It's, you know, thrilling because you got people sliding in the mud. You got, you know, they, they race in all kinds of weather. So make sure you dress warm, uh, bring dry clothes to, you know, even if you're not racing to have some dry clothes to change into before you drive home. So for those people who may not be in the region, let's just look really quick at, yes. they get to the cyclocost rate. How do they get scored? Is it just by time and then the obstacles are set there to reduce the time? Well, the it's basically whoever finishes first. So we've got a slew of officials, um, high level officials, who are doing the timing and the scoring. And they will, they're actually watching, they have an official in the pit also to make sure people are following the rules there. There's, there's mm -hmm. a whole book full of rules that they got to follow. <laughs> and I can't get into that now. But they, they will have different times that they are racing uh, for, anywhere from 20 minutes up to 45 minutes. And there's stuff for junior kids too. There's pro riders that are leading um, ride-alongs and clinics for kids under, and it's free, and that's on Saturday. I mean, most of us have seen that video of that little kid on a balance bike yeah. who's with their mom, at the, and they walk up to this two-by-four, and, and they, they take just, their bike, and they throw their yeah. bike over, and then they jump back up on it. Yeah. What are some of the other obstacles that are there? So you have, you have sand, very quick You've got sand climbs. and ramps, ramps. Uh, flyover ramps where they have to go up and down um, on those. Stairs, there's going to be um, 
just, I think for me personally, I think the hardest is going to be off camber stuff and the stuff that's going up the dike along here um, because they go, they actually go up the side of the dike. Is it possible to do the whole course without getting off your bike? I'm asking some very naive questions here. I don't think that's possible, no. That's not cyclocross. You've got to dismount at some point in time. Yeah. yeah. That's why you learn. So no how, Danny McCaskill moves where they're just. I think Danny McCaskill would have a tough time with this, too. Oh, there's, my God. There's going to be some tough stuff out there, yeah. Right. Not so much the obstacles, so you're meant to get but off this, your bike. You're, yeah, that's you're part of that's that's part of cyclocross. That's why they they do teach you how to. There's a certain technique to dismount and remount very fast. Mm -hmm. So when you watch the pro riders, especially, they are smooth as butter. That you don't even see them missing a beat or slowing down at all. They are just so smooth, and they practice that a lot. Over and over. And so over. should you find something that looks particularly difficult oh, and yeah. camp out next to that? Oh yeah. Okay, and just walk around go. and walk around. You can, you know, it's it's only you know, maybe a couple miles, you know, the longest, and just Get wander around yourself. and just yeah. yeah, grab yourself a nice big mug of coffee and or <laughs> and go and enjoy it. You know, Do walk they around walk the course ahead of time. Or there, there are pre-rides only um, when the court, when the venue is open. They can pre-ride it, okay. and but once the racing is going on, they can't. And when the venue closes for the day after the last race, then no one is allowed on the course. No. So there, there are pre-rides that are available though um, every morning before they start racing. Okay. So as a spectator, I think we got it. Yeah. You know, definitely set yourself up next to something that looks crazy. Yeah. For somebody to do, yep. and then sit there and get ready yeah oh yeah all right if I wanted to this be my first race if I was gonna go I like cyclocross mm -hmm. I like riding on trails what do I need to do before I show up to my first race is there a category well, there was there a category seven no. Can I go cat seven <laughs> and go really easy for the first one or no well with with this one this would not be the championship you couldn't be able to get into. I okay. wouldn't want to. Yeah. I wouldn't want to. But there are actually training races. Now, cyclocross, is, the season is from September through December, usually. And CCAP, along with um, Expo Wheelmen and Cycling Concepts and um, Eastern Block, we put on a race every Wednesday in September at Rocky Hill at the back by the dog park and it's mm -hmm. a practicing race and that's what i would suggest that's that where you would go. go to we have we've also had clinics um this year we had stephen hyde who is one of the top racers in the area now um, from cannondale he led the clinic along with jenna greaser and a bunch of local legends like uh canadian champion todd bowden and uh vicky monahan and a bunch of others that were helping out and john tarbox they these are all local people who are very high level racers and had an all day clinic two day clinic actually that we held and keep your eye open for that and i would because so much of cyclocross is technique and and also fitness but mostly technique if you learn those skills and you learn them correctly the first time you don't have to undo it and learn it mm -hmm. you know, the right way afterwards and it will go a long way in you enjoying the sport and and doing well at it so you look for a club or a shop that's, that's, that's going to have a stuff a, like that, and they yeah. have a. Where's the on ramp? You know, um, check on bikereg.com, um, or you can also go to usacycling.org, and those two would be the best places to find um, both clubs in your area through usacycling.org, um, and for races in your area, go to bikereg.com and just um, go to New England 
and you can pick any discipline. They, they have registration there for all the disciplines and also for different fundraising rides and stuff too and clinics and camps. You can find all of that there. So when you finally move, because you could do this sport your entire life mm -hmm. and never ride with another person. Yeah. It that's kind of boring, though. It wouldn't yeah, be that fun. It's the camaraderie is, is a huge part You go on group rides and yeah. stuff like that. That might expand it a little bit. When you finally pull the trigger and you start trying some racing, Mm -hmm. what's, what's the, you walk on, you're obviously, you're going to be a newbie. What Don't happens? be ashamed to be a newbie. Um, we, we were all there, you know. I mean, all of us have put numbers on upside down, have had, you know, the wrong gear or whatever. You know, it's, it's happened to all of us. And don't be afraid to ask. You know, look for somebody, uh, maybe an official, reach out to your local shop, find out if they have a team. And if they have a team or a club, do they offer clinics? Anything like that, you know, the, the continuing education, you, you really never stop learning in this sport. There's always something that you can be better at. Um, if you like cyclocross or if you like mountain biking, you'll probably like cyclocross as well. And you'll bring into it the skills that sometimes the road racers don't have. Like you'll be able to ride sand and mud and stuff like that because you see that out on the trails all the time. May not be able to, like the road racers will be more comfortable riding in a pack. Mm -hmm. uh, mountain bikers, they're not so comfortable doing that. So, you know, it's it's got... A little bit of everything, but I would say go ahead and try it. There's always a little bit of awkwardness mm. going into the the new sport. You know, going yeah. from mountain biking to just gravel grinding. Yeah, you got a lot of roadies coming in who want to grab your wheel. Yeah, and to me that was wicked uncomfortable at first. Yeah, you know because it's like and whoa, whoa, used to, whoa, yeah. personal space. And they're used space, to it. Yeah, personal and they're space, used to and, it. Yeah, and you, you got the personal, you got the comfort zone of a mountain biker. Yeah, you can't go yeah. onto the road easily, but you eventually get over it. You get used to it. There's and a learning do, yeah, curve. Yeah, and there's there's drills you can do, bumping drills and stuff like that, and yeah, you know, that just kind of desensitizes you to it. Um, that's definitely something that. Uh, many of the Cat 5 races now, for road racing especially, they are offering clinics for new riders so that they learn how do you find that apex, how do you make it. Because taking a turn in a race is a lot different than taking a turn in a group ride. Yeah. And so there's, there's a lot of different techniques that you need to learn. So, and that, that's kind of what your organization is about. Yeah. And that's, that's really going to be helpful to people looking at a sport in our region mm -hmm. and to look for an organization like yours with yep. those type of clinics if you're outside the region. Because sometimes a group ride is not the best place to learn yeah. stuff because yeah. you, you can't <laughs> tell if somebody is actually giving you advice or if they're whinging or yep. if they're complaining. Yep. So tell us one more time about CCAP and how to find them on... Um, we are ConnecticutCyclingAdvancement.org, our website, everything there, 501c3 nonprofit. Our goal is to make a very sustainable cycling league here in the state of Connecticut and bring as many kids into the sport, a lifelong sport that we can through our awesome. schools. Thanks for talking to me about the Cyclocross National Championships and the sport of cyclocross and everything today. Hopefully I'll be on again sometime. Great. Thanks look forward to riding with you in the club in the spring again. Absolutely. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. 
So there are literally hundreds of apps that you can use that are related to bicycles and cycling. So we're gonna take a look at two today. One is Strava, very popular. According to their website, more than tracking app, Strava is a social network for athletes. Millions of runners and cyclists use Strava to record their activities, compare performance over time, compete with their community, and share the photos, stories, and highlights of their activities with friends. Okay, so that's from Strava, from their website directly. And then another one that's pretty popular in my family is Pokemon Go, which might not be, you know, directly one that you think of first off, but very popular with kids. Step outside and catch Pokemon in the real world. They're pocket monsters, little monsters. Collect and battle with others. Venusaur, Charizard, Blastoise, Pikachu, and many other Pokemon have been discovered on planet Earth! Exclamation point. Now is your chance to discover and capture all the Pokemon around you. So get your shoes on, step outside, and explore your world. You'll join one of three teams and battle for the prestige and ownership of gyms with their Pokemon at your side. Pokemon are out there and you need to find them. As you walk around your neighborhood, your smartphone will vibrate when there's a Pokemon nearby. Take aim and throw a Pokeball. You'll have to stay alert or it might get away. Search far and wide for Pokemon and items. So it goes it goes on quite a bit after that, but it is you would think it's the kind of thing where you're looking for stuff out in the real world, kind of like geocaching or letterboxing back in the day, but instead of being a little rubber stamper or a message, it would be a little dancing animation on your screen, which is fun and cute. So let's take a look at both of those today. We're gonna to review Strava versus Pokemon Go head-to-head -head review. Okay, so hello and welcome to this segment of Bike Karma where we're going to review two apps that people riding bikes would be interested in. The first one is called Strava. Now Strava, like Met My Ride and some other ones, is all about keeping track of how far you've gone on your bike, seeing how fast you've gone, comparing how fast you go with other people, kind of competition, trying to pick up segments, trying to beat your records, trying to be the king of a certain area or the queen of a certain area. That's fun to have while you're on your bike, but there's another program too, which would be... Pokemon Go. Okay, now Pokemon Go would be a program where you go out and you need to keep moving, but not too fast, so that you can yeah. get credit for... A Pokemon, or an egg, or a partner that you have been walking with to gain candy to evolve them or make them stronger and all the while you're looking for pokemon and gyms and stuff like that okay so let's open up our phones you open up to pokemon go and i will open up to strava and let's see what they look like pairing the two you get onto yours you have a map i have a map Okay. I hit record and I start going and then it pauses if I slow down or stop. What's good about Pokemon Go? I mean, there's a bunch of bad things, but there's also a bunch of good things like it's Pokemon. And Pokemon are always fun. It's a good way of competition. It's pretty fun because but wait, there's also competition in Strava too. Well, you can yeah. see you can see how other people have done on certain segments. So like certain stretches of road, you can see if you're the fastest person who's ever done that section of road who has Strava. That's, that's pretty good too. That's pretty good. But in Pokemon Go, you can have gyms, and you can put your Pokemon in the gym, and they would offend it from other teams. And in Pokemon Go, there are three teams. Team 
instinct, which is yellow, for a mythical bird called Zapdos. There is blue team, which is mystic, for a mythical bird called Articuno. And there's also valor, a red team, for a mythical bird called It's okay. A, myth- a mythical... Another mythical bird. An, a mythical bird called Moltres. See, I know all my Pokemon. Okay, so the idea is you have all these friendly monsters that you go around and you capture like pets. Yeah, and... And if, then you train them and then they battle each other. Kind of like cyclists battle each other on Strava. So, without knowing it, the people on Strava probably are kind of like Team Red, Team Blue, and Team Yellow. Like, Team Red is like the go-getter, hardcore, battle, winning is everything type of people. The Blue are a little bit more philosophical about it. And the Yellow are just like, hey, what's up? The Yellow are chill. Yellow are The Red chill. are hardcore. And the Blue are like, we're in between. Definitely the red team would have matching kit, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Go red team. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so there's a problem, though. If I want to go out and I want to play both Pokemon Go and Strava at the same time... It's going to be hard because you only have one phone and... I can put both apps on at the same time. I know, but the tabs are going to be tricky to switch between. And if you're going at super... If you're going at super fast speeds when you're playing Strava down... A long strip of road is gonna be too fast for Pokemon Go because it won't track any kilometers for your eggs. If you did not know, you need to walk a certain amount of kilometers for each egg, and each egg holds different Pokemon. So basically, the idea was to get kids out and people who were playing the game out and walking and getting fit, and then people would just drive the cars around. So they made it so that you can't get credit if you're going too fast. So if you're going over, what is it, like 11 miles per hour? 10Ks per hour. If you're going over 10K per hour, um, then it shuts off and it doesn't give you any credit for doing that. I Whereas think it's 10K. That would be horrible because in Strava, it would be like, you know, that would be the barest minimum you would do on, on a s- steep session or something like that. You know, you would... But, 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 but you look cool while you're playing this game because you can well, have giant rock rhinos and fat blue cats and they're amazing to fight other water dogs. Okay, so to sum up, to play Pokemon Go on a bike, you need to stop frequently, catch Pokemon, stop at gyms to battle, and go to Pokestops. Go to Pokestops to get materials and then you can't go over... 10 kilometers per hour or it doesn't give you credit for the distance that you've gone which is funny because in the commercial for pokemon go when i came out it there was someone on a bike riding a bike yeah and, and people even, running yep. and this is sad now yeah and even because because there were too many people pushing the limits by doing little crawls with their cars around so and then with strava you want to definitely go as fast as you can don't look at your phone at all and don't stop and you know follow all your traffic rules and stuff like that but you definitely don't want to look at anything until you're all done whereas pokemon it's more of a stop 
and go things. So to sum it up, if you're gonna do either one of these programs, you have to decide what kind of day you wanna have. Do you wanna have a day with your really cool 11, 12 year old son? Mm-mm. Or do you wanna get out of the house and get as far away as quickly as possible? I wanna, I wanna have a good day with myself. Okay, that's good. Okay, and there you have it. This is the Browns reviewing potential apps for you while cycling. We give them both thumbs up. Yeah, pretty with, good. With, with some problems for each one. Little, yeah. Little minor problems, but overall, two minor. fun apps to try. <laughs> so try Strava and then try Pokemon Go when you're out on your next couple of rides. Yeah. Let's see which one you prefer. Uh, leave a comment in the description. So, Taryn, thanks a lot for doing that Pokemon segment with me today. Yeah, it was pretty fun. So, like, what do you think some of the bike racers in the world would be? Like, there's three teams, so, like, Bradley Wiggins? Team Red. Team Red. So, he'd, like, Team Valor, big winner. Yeah. What about, um, like, somebody like Danny McCaskill, who's doing all those crazy stunts and stuff? Team Blue. Team Blue. And maybe somebody like, um, oh, Gary Fisher... You know, just kind of bombing yeah. down the back roads. Definitely Team Yellow. Team Yellow. Yeah. So Team Instinct on that one. Mm-hmm. And then what about Lance Armstrong? Mm. Team Rocket. Team Rocket? <laughs> I agree. Prepare for trouble. Make it double. To protect the world from devastation. To unite all peoples within our nation. To denounce the evils of truth and love. To extend our reach to the stars above. Jesse! James. Team Rocket blast off at the speed of light. Surrender now or prepare to fight. Me. Well, that's right. Let's... Okay, I am here with Enid Mercado Vega. And she had an interesting Instagram account where I looked up and she had had something called Mind Over Bike. And I'll let her introduce herself. Can you tell us where you're from and what Mind Over Bike is about? Good morning, Thomas. Certainly. So my name is Nick Mercado Vega. Myself and my husband, Frank Vega, own Two Wheel Pickup Bicycle Shop in Miami, Florida. Uh, we're in a uh, area in Miami called uh, West Kendall, very popular here. And uh, we're basically in the bicycle shop to vintage uh, repairs. Uh, and we also sell old and new bicycles. Um, Mind Over Bike came about from the need of seeing uh, young children where nobody around the area that I knew or even really in Miami gave lessons. So we thought about that and we gave it a little more in-depth um, feel for which I'll explain. I, I love the name Mind Over Bike. I mean, when I was a kid, yeah. what happened was, you know, your parents would set you up in a grassy area and then they would mm-hmm. just push you and there you go. Yeah. The pedals yeah. were still on the bike. There was none of this balance training. You might have been on, uh, they might have said, all right, enough with the training wheels. And that was that was their uh, supportive statement. And then they'd push you and then you That is correct. So um, I, I do a high school club and, you know, looking at how far we've come in terms of like getting somebody's head around getting onto a bike. I've had kids who haven't rode before and they um, taking the pedals off of a bike and emphasizing balance first. 
was something that we didn't do back in the day. We've come a long way, <laughs> I think, from me hitting the... Absolutely, absolutely. So, and you'll see during our conversation about Mind Over Bike how this just takes a mind of its own and it's just, it's awesome. It's, it's become uh, an awesome experience for those that I've taught. It's, and the parents are just in awe of what's happening during the process, really. It, 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 it looks like the simplest thing, yet psychologically it's amazing what happens to the children when they run because for us people who ride bikes it's almost like you can't not ride the bike it's like yeah. it's <laughs> like snapping or it's like whistling you know it's like you get to That's a point nature. where mm -hmm. you you can't get onto a bike without actually following the proper form unless you really really try hard the muscle right. memory is part of the miracle of biking is Correct. you know there are people who have difficulty walking, and uh, for for PT they'll put them onto a bike if they've ever been a, a cyclist in their life, and the muscle memory right. will still be there, and it's incredible. So tell me about That's the process. Right. What do you what do you go through? So a kid shows up, never ridden a bike before. Parents might not even be riders. What happens? Mm -hmm. I'll give you an awesome story that occurred with my first ever ride. Uh, with Mind Over Bike. The father came in with his 11-year-old daughter. He has had, for all of his life, very bad vertigo and has never been able to teach his daughter really anything such as bike riding. And, all, and, and it, it was frustrating to him because he wanted to do those natural things that you want to teach your kids. He had this conversation with me and says, you know, I, I saw this thing about Mind Over Bike with you. Well, what can you do? I said, well, you know what? Very nice. So got on her on a bike for the very first time ever in her life. No training wheels. I do not train with training wheels. That's my number one rule, which parents are like, don't understand, but they go with it. <laughs> so she gets on um, the first half hour. Uh, I'm also, by the way, on my bike parallel to her, and we're going slowly. I talk them through the first um, instance, which is to ask them, well, what is it, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when it, when it comes to thinking about what's going to happen to you on the bike? Of course, I'm going to fall off. All right, so I immediately tell them, how about we learn to get over that? So they look at you and go, all right. <laughs> and this is what happens. For the first half hour, we go through this conversation while on the bike slowly just riding with both of our feet we kind of it's, let me see if i can explain we're on the bike we're not pedaling but we're kind of pushing ourselves with our tiptoes of our feet this is like when you do the start position on the bike that you make sure that your you know your seat position is level to where it should be and we're just um pushing ourselves and while we're doing that, we're learning balance, and I'm also talking them through this positive aspect of what's the what's the worst that can happen. So why don't you just tilt to the left, or why don't you just tilt to the right? Feel that, and it's kind of like this pit of your stomach feel that they go through, and that's it. Like I teach them how to feel that, just like you said, which is spot on what you just said earlier, that it's mobility training, like a memory, uh, mobile training that you do. You feel what it's like to fall. Once you get over that feeling, that's it. What, what else are you scared of? You know, so it, it's a little of that in the beginning. And it's it's like our minds get in the way sometimes with stuff. 
And, oh, yeah. You know, like Late. if you're if you're snapping and you get a rhythm down or something like that, and you stop to think about the rhythm that you're doing, it's deadly. Yeah. You know, you mess up the rhythm instantly. And it's the same oh. thing with kids and bikes. And it sounds like your experience is similar. Is that just get your mind out of the way for a minute and just Correct. try and balance and just have fun. And it's more like a you know, as opposed to the training wheels getting you up on the pedals and having you sit the right way. It's about using it like a scooter first, a big yeah. scooter. And then once you get that, the pedaling is just like the easiest extra step ever. But if you try and start with the pedaling and then learn the balance, it's it's like trying to do it the uh, exact opposite. Yeah, it's like backwards. Right, I yeah. agree. And that's, that's the beauty of it. Like once they get over that for the first half hour, or maybe, two, you know, maybe an hour if it takes them that long to just get that mind going and that feel in their body of what it's like to get over that fear. The next hour is amazing to them because, oh my gosh, this girl that we're talking about learned to write in one hour and a half. Wow. Having never learned ever to ride a bike. Wow. And um, it, it's funny because the father, when she finally pedaled and made a complete U-turn in our, well, we are, our bicycle shop in the, in the very great location because it's kind of in a warehouse district in mm -hmm. West Kendall. Yep. So the kids, I love it because like on a Saturday uh, or even on a Sunday, if I've ever done Sunday lessons where it's very quiet there, there's no interruption. It's a safe environment. We don't have cars going in and out. So they're free to ride around. That's she cool. made a complete U and turned around by herself without falling off. Just go all the way. And her father couldn't watch, again, because of the vertigo he's always lived with, until he, for a moment, just peeked up, and then he noticed she had made this U-turn. The man started to cry. And I told him, I said, oh, my goodness, sir, why are you crying? He says, you have no idea what you have just done for my daughter and for me. That was it for me. It touched me because, I, I you know, I, that, that moment made me realize the littlest things that you take for granted and, like, Riding a bike, who would ever think with such a family this way? This man was crying. Oh my gosh. Just at the mere fact that he'd never been able to teach his own daughter to ride a bicycle. And of course, at that moment, I said to myself, this is not about the bicycle. It's not even about the riding. It's, it's a deeper story within the family. So those are the things that just grabbed me completely. It's, it's an amazing, amazing experience. I love what I do. So thank you for sharing your story with me. I mean, just got to say, a bike shop that teaches people how to ride, that's a smart business move, too. You would you know, think I, that there'd be more shops that would offer that, but this is like uh, going to be an epiphany yeah. to some people, I bet. It's um, it's a lot of patience. Um, I, I do have a lot of it, just on a personal level. I have a lot of patience, and I think that that helps with with what we do with this Mind Over Bike program we do with the kids. And we do adults, by the way. I know we haven't talked about that, but um, we do teach adults as well. As a matter of fact, about two weekends ago, I taught my first adult. Yeah, it, it, it is harder. It absolutely is. It's more difficult. Um, we'll probably take a few more sessions, but yeah, we do do that as well. All right. Well, thank you very much for talking with us today. If people are down in the Florida area and they want to go visit you, where do they go? Two Wheel Picker Bicycle Shop in West Kendall, 12471 Southwest 
130th Street, and we're in Unit B, as in Baby 1. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tom. It's a pleasure. And hope maybe you can come down sometime to Miami. You have an open invitation. Oh, thank you very much. And, and same up here in Wethersfield, Connecticut. Take awesome. care. Thank you. You too. Thanks for coming along on the ride on another episode of Bike Karma. Uh, Bike Karma is a production by Tom Brown, all rights reserved, including the awesome cat logo done by my daughter. I'd like to thank Karen Franzen from CCAP for the interview, as well as Edith Mercado Vega um, from Two Wheel Pickers Bike Shop down in Florida for the interview. Also thank Taryn Brown for his help with the Pokemon vs. Strava segment. I'd like to thank Keller Glass and Mobject Music for their excellent theme music at the beginning and end of the podcast. You can check them out at mobjectmusic.com. I'd like to thank all the people who are patiently waiting in the queue for interviews. I'm looking forward to BMX, Fixie, and Yoga for Cyclists coming up really soon. Thank you for being so patient. The best thing you can do to help support the podcast is by putting reviews on iTunes or Stitcher or Podbean, liking and following as you feel comfortable. So a big thank you to Ginny Winnie Bumbini for the review on iTunes, as well as Garamdad2000 aka DDR BMX. Also like to thank DW Wahlberger, Frandavo, KMK0036, Bumpin62, David Sanchez499, who I think I may have thanked before, but what the heck, and Della Powitz for following on Podbean. Like I said, we are also on Stitcher now, and also a big thank you to DW Machen for uh, sending out a nice comment on Instagram that got me motivated and rally up during a cold to bang out this episode before the new year's so i appreciate that type of support as well if you got an idea for a story you can contact me at bikekarmaguy at gmail.com and only because this has happened to me twice within the last couple of weeks i know karen is really good at reminding me when we go on group rides together to double check your quick releases because sometimes they get banged around and you don't notice them it's happened to me twice once with a quick release front wheel I went for two miles before I noticed that it was loose. Whoops. And then the second one was I got home after a ride and my through axle on the back had actually started to come a little bit loose. So just keeping that in mind, no matter how much you ride, how often you ride, how you check over your bike, it's a good idea to check those quick releases uh, every single time you go out just to make sure that they didn't get bumped that last time. Wishing you a wonderful new year so 2017 hopefully we can make it through the last couple of days of this year without losing any more beloved celebrities and a huge thank you to everyone who's listened till next time keep it wheel reasons why